Praise the Lord, my Lord, the mightiest prophets of the Lord. Well, uh, blessed people, what a wonderful opportunity to come to you again. Um, at this very, very critical time. And uh, I am coming to you at such a time when uh, there is mourning and grief in Kenya out of what just happened in Nairobi at the Riverside Drive. And we ourselves, even as a church, we lost a young man from Kasarani Church. And right now the funeral arrangements are in place. Left a widow right there. Uh, this is a time when the nation is mourning. People are mourning out of the heinous, the heinous act of Satan, of the devil, that just took place at the Riverside Drive. And you see, for the archbishops out there and the senior church leadership that came from many nations, Italy, USA, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, South Africa, everywhere, because the whole world, that is the same hotel in which we had put you. And so you can imagine if uh, that had happened when you were here in Kenya, it, it, that would have been a big hit because all the embassies would have been involved, all the nations, the headlines, you know. But uh, nevertheless, the Lord... The Lord protected the guests, the senior church leadership that were there at the seat hotel until they left. But unfortunately, again, people were lost. Lives have been lost. We lost a young man from Katarani Church. The young man from Donholm survived the escape. And so I am coming to you with this Bible study at such a time when there is grief in this country. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the land. I'm praying for the nation. That the Lord may bring restoration to the people, to the nation, the leadership, the officials involved handling the issues around it. And uh, this is again yet another moment when as a nation, as a people, as a church, people have to reflect. You have to reflect on your lives because, as I have always said again and again, that the Messiah is coming. And this earth is not our home. The Messiah is coming and we need to be ready. And I've always said that if somebody as you can imagine nobody knows the day or the hour no one knows that day or hour but it will always be very beneficial for us to be ready anytime and all the time so that is the big lesson we now take from there from the unfortunate event the leopard, Satan, came and struck 
but we take a very powerful lesson that we need to be ready all the time. And at this moment, praying for the great family in this church and across the land. In this church, we have a young man that uh, lost his life, left a young widow, the baby, that the Lord may bring restoration. Well, uh, having said that, beloved people, I want to share with you some wonderful news, good news here. The good news of the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that is a better way to address this moment. Um, I have been running some Bible study. The third session was yesterday. And uh, this Bible study has essentially been an extension of uh, the conference of pastors and ministers of the gospel that took place in Nakuru. And as you know, during the conference, we are always limited in time. We are limited by airtime on national TV, by the program, by the agenda being run differently in the program. I thought this would be a very wonderful time, again, to revisit with you on that very, very important conversation that the Lord laid for uh, December 31st the year 2018 regarding the prophecy of the glorious stairs of heaven lowered deep into the sky. And I think if there is any conversation, any ultimate conversation that the church needs to hear, it is this conversation here. That on January 15th, the year 2017, the Lord Yahweh, the God of heaven, came all the way from heaven to speak with me. God the Father, the Lord God, to speak with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. This day that we are waiting for so much. The day that when that day arrives, and it will arrive, will really, really relieve all the Christians, those that are prepared, that they may now enter into God's rest. And so, this conversation is a very powerful conversation, and that's why I want to begin developing to, to touch base with you, that we may revisit with you what the Lord said at the conference. But if I do so, I know that tomorrow, uh, Randy has already, Pastor Randy has already prepared uh, the clip, the same clip that was uh, watched last weekend in the churches, is now in the churches, I know that. The one that you worked on on that very Sunday, the same clip that was in the churches is going to that visitation. We cannot say next. We cannot uh, wish it away. That was a mighty, mighty visitation that took place at Menengai 2, Nakuru Menengai 2. And so I know that Pastor Randy has already circulated to the technical teams, wherever they are, they've uploaded into their systems the same visitation, the same clips, the same visitation that was watched last week and last Sunday, except that Randy has made some, uh, uh, he has actually removed the backgrounds that were there in terms of the text that you may see. You may see the visitation clearer on full screen. 
So this message comes to you, blessed people, at such a time when there is a major, major visitation of the Lord in the house of the Lord. And many nations are crying for the slightest opportunity to be visited in this way, the way he did at Nakuru Menengai, Nakuru Menengai too. And I know that the Lord in his grace and mercy, he has plans for every nation. His mercies and grace will allow this message to reach many nations that are hungry, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, Europe, Australia, North America, Central South America, the islands, Africa, everywhere. But uh, in that conversation regarding January 15, 2017 prophecy, the prophecy of January 15, the year 2017, the prophecy that the Lord gave when he came and spoke with me on that particular day, January 15, 2017, and um, in that conversation, he lifts me up above the earth. And then he shows me the church, he makes me look left, and he shows me the church as she lifts off, as the church lifts off from the ground. When the church is lifted, the moment when the church left the ground, it was such a spectacular moment to behold. It was such a sight to behold. And they leave. The holy elect of the Lord, they leave towards left and then they turn right. And I have described this over again and again. It's all over the web. It's everywhere globally. As they turn right, they now face this humongous cloud of God. The tremendous kingdom of glory. The kingdom of Yahweh. The glorious kingdom of heaven. And then I described that I could see their garment. The garment they are wearing that they are wearing finest linen, bright and clean, with great splendor and radiance. And I even describe sometimes the greater details of uh, the, the design of the garment, the heavenly garment, this garment of the cross that they wear. And how the cloud opens and the glorious stairs appear and they step their glorious feet on glorious stairs. And another thing that also I describe in there is the fact that some of them, I saw them fully holding their children as they entered, like it's as though some families entered as complete families. And then after that, the cloud closed them in. And so that prophecy is well eloquently described across the world, across, across the globe. And uh, that, that, that message, that, that prophecy, and then come March 11th, the year 2018, that's slightly more than a year from when the prophecy was given, slightly one year and one month or so. And then now, on that March 11th, the year 2018, the Lord now brings forth part fulfillment, the part fulfillment, the partial fulfillment of that prophecy, when in a very shocking and boldest act ever, again, the Lord Yahweh lowered the glorious stairs of heaven into the sky. And so mortal men 
would be able to see now from Nakuru at that meeting at the main altar. Those who are out in the overflow, they could look into the sky and now see the glorious stairs of God in the sky. In other words, they could see eternity with their mortal eyes. They could see everlasting life with their mortal eyes. They could see the kingdom of God in heaven with their mortal eyes. In other words, they could see the new Jerusalem with their eyes. So that, that was very stunning and very shocking that the Lord did that. But we well understand that the Lord is really, really yearning to see the believers drawn to him, drawn to his kingdom. We understand the message the Lord laid forth on that day when he reversed the order of that prophecy and he brought the stairs first before the lift up. But we understand very well that the Lord is essentially saying that he's urging you, he's using everything and every way to encourage you, to draw your heart and soul to the things of that kingdom, even to show you and to let you know that, look, what the two prophets are saying down there will take place. So you'd rather prepare. And say that, look, look at the eternity I have prepared for you. Look at the kingdom of glory I have prepared for you. Look at, look at God's rest that I have prepared for you. So the message is endless. It became an exhaustless theme in the church and also the center conversation right now in the body of Christ. You would be misplaced or mistaken or lost if you were caught, if you were found at this hour not engaging in this conversation about the entry of the church into eternity. And that I've said over again and again, that this now becomes the centerpiece of the hymn of the church, of the sermon in the church, of the conversation in the body of believers. Why? Because I say it at this point in time then, it is as though the Lord is saying that the church at now, at that now, is standing at the door to heaven. The church at this hour is right at the door to heaven. The church is about to enter heaven. It's as though that is what the Lord is saying by lowering those heads and doing the part fulfillment that might learn 2018. And so this is the conversation, uh, the message I've been engaging the church on, the church in Nairobi, for the third session yesterday, but I thought it would be even more beneficial to really stretch it out and open it up to the greater world, to the public. In any case, the Lord wants everybody to enter the glorious kingdom of eternity. So... In addressing this wonderful conversation the Lord has laid forth all the sky, in addressing this host, the host of the stairs, the glorious stairs of eternity, the Lord has presented, has lowered into the sky and allowed your mortal eyes to see. There are big questions that come out of that visitation of the Lord, that monumental visitation of this hour. The question is, what is the message? What is the message that the Lord is trumpeting to the nations of the earth by lowering his glorious stairs, the glorious stairs of God, the glorious stairs of Yahweh to this generation in the sky? 
by lowering the glorious stairs of his eternal kingdom in heaven. What is the Lord really transmitting to the church and to all the nations? That those that may get and hearken to that instruction may see his glorious eternal kingdom. And that's why I thought that we should revisit with this, that I may begin to walk here again, to rekindle your memories on what the Lord is trumpeting at this hour, trumpeting into the souls and the hearts of men, the church. We see very well, beloved people, why? We, we see the question is why? Why now? So there are many questions that could be posted there in order to develop this wonderful message. What is the message? But why now? Why has he lowered now? And so, to begin with, in the book of Isaiah, and in the book of Genesis, and several other books that we're going to read, the book of John also. Beginning with Genesis, the Lord speaks very clearly, beloved people, about access to eternity accessing his eternity, accessing his glorious kingdom. And you see very well that the Lord lays forth some key fundamentals that we must attain in order to have a tenable and acceptable fellowship with him, communion with him. And you take the case study of Adam and Eve. You see, the Lord laid it for them very clearly that for as long as they live in righteousness and obey him, Death would not touch them. Death would not touch them at all. And so the key item there being obedience, this voluntary obedience unto the Lord, unprompted to live your life in reverence of God, in the fear of God, so you may obey the Lord. And we see that out of the fall of man, then now, the door that leads to God, the door that leads to the tree of life, was shut. And we put there some glory of glory, the symbolism of the judgment of God that now stood between man and God. The judgment of God against him that now separated man from the Lord God, his creator. And these are some of the key things that ring into our hearts when we begin to have access to God. The fact that now the Lord has lowered the stairs and has opened the entrance, opened the way that leads the tree of life, the way that leads to eternity. We must be very cognizant of the work of Christ. And that's why it's very important to reflect back and understand that that door was shut, it was closed, until Christ Jesus, the Messiah, appeared and opened that door through the Calvary cross, his resurrection and ascension. And so... After that, then now it becomes very important at this hour to ask the question, what then is the message? Why has he lost himself? And this is what the Lord was passing the church through during the December 31st, 2018, international, the 8th International Conference of Pastors and Ministers of the Gospel. When he laid it before you, he put it to you, that is going to be important that every part of the body of Christ does understand the message that the Lord is speaking through the glorious stairs that he has lowered into the sky. It's going to be beneficial, it's going to be profitable for the church to understand clearly, to communicate well with the Lord why he has lowered the stairs and what message he has given. 
we all know too well that surely, yes, the message is about preparedness. But sometimes it really pays to explore the message deeper and pull out the greater instruction that the Lord is passing to the nation that we may be well nourished and we may be well buttressed, we may strengthen our roots into the Word and ingrain that Word, that instruction in our being and salvation. And so I want to look at one very important reason as to why the Lord has decided to lower the glorious stairs of eternity. The glorious stairs of eternity, blessed people. Now, we know it too well that at the fall of Adam and Eve, darkness destroyed the earth. Darkness consumed the whole earth. The entire humanity was actually covered with darkness. And that is something we can never forget because without the work of Christ, without looking at darkness, the sadness, the melancholy, the depression, the hopelessness that consumed the entire earth, we would never appreciate the work of the cross. We have to look at where Jesus Christ the Messiah removed humanity from, removed the church from. But right before the Messiah himself comes, to remove that darkness that had beclouded the earth, the Lord Jehovah sent the prophet Isaiah to go and speak the oracles of heaven, the oracles of Yahweh, that would define and instruct the ministry of the Messiah. Even the path that the ministry would follow. Apart from the top and locate also the locality at which the Messiah would launch his ministry. And then the mission of the Messiah, the duty, what he was duty bound to do. So these are things we cannot forget, beloved. And so the best way to understand why the Lord has lowered, why he has lowered the staircase of heaven into the sky to this generation, and it's right away go to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. I'm reading verses 1 to 7. And Isaiah chapter 9, 1 to 7, it says the following. I have four versions here. And I'll read IV when he says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. So you see, he is using a locality because that is where he is instructing. He's going to instruct the ministry of the Messiah to begin from. But you see, essentially, that whatever he says here really, really, really appertains to the entire earth. The entire world was in this business, in this gloom. Why? Because the Messiah had not come. And yet, the fall in the garden had taken, had taken place, and there was no hope. And darkness was overcast had overshadowed, had covered the earth. So even though Isaiah is speaking to this particular locality in terms of the oracles that he was instructed to bring forth that would command the ministry of the Messiah to begin from this particular location. But you see very clearly that this applied to the entire earth. He says, Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7, that's what says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, 
He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galil of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And in verse 2 he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, Isaiah here has seen the vision, and God the Father has spoken with him by voice and sent him, and has sent him to go and instruct the ministry of the Messiah, how the ministry of the Messiah will set forth. And there's so much instructed in there in terms of the path, the path the Messiah would come from. The path, Isaiah was defining the path that the Messiah would come through. It is also defining the locality, the location at which the Messiah would launch the ministry, his public ministry on the earth. And at the same time, he's also defining the duty, the duty that the Messiah would perform, what he would, he would be duty-bound to, 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 to achieve, to undertake when he comes. And that's why in verse 2 of Isaiah 9, he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a life has done. And that's why I say, while talking about the instructing of the ministry of the Messiah, commanding the Messiah to follow that path and start the ministry over there, you can see very clearly here that he was essentially describing what was happening across the entire face of the earth. And that's why there was greater significance even within this locating locating the ministry of the Messiah. But there was a global significance, universal significance, eternal significance. It transcended the borders of this particular property, the real estate that Isaiah was defining. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of the Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He will honor the Galil of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And he says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The, the Isaiah was essentially saying, while he's coming there to launch his ministry from there within the Galil of the Gentiles, however, when he comes, the Messiah comes as the light of the world. He brings light to a world that is living under the casting of the shadow, the shadow of death. The shadow of death, because death had now entered in the garden, from the garden. From the fall in the garden, death had now consumed the entire earth and gripped everybody. Grip every living thing. Grip every creation. That's why even iron rusts today. And then about three. So it's about two here is saying that the mission of the Messiah is to bring light. The light of Christ. The light of God to a dark world. So it's very powerful, beloved people, that even as we begin to talk and contemplate on the Messiah, who comes and opens this stairway that heads to heaven. But he's coming. When he comes to open this stairway, the staircase that God has now opened for this generation to see and discuss in social media and record and prepare, even as we discuss 
how he has opened it. But the opening of the way that was closed in Genesis 3, verse 24, when he said he put two cherubim of glory to block the way that leads to God, the way that leads to the tree of life. We know that God, Yahweh himself, God the Father, is where the tree of life is. But the opening of that way is what I'm talking about here. And he's saying that you, verse 3, Isaiah 9, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing their plunder. Remember, the small subtitle here in Isaiah 9 is unto us a child is born. In King James, it says the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Messianic King. In the New American Standard, it says the birth and reign of the Prince of Peace. So this is what we are talking about, beloved people. That Isaiah defines the path of the Messiah, the path through which he would come, and the duty he would accomplish and attack. And he says, in verse 3, I repeat, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. So as in the days of Midian, in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. So you see, he's talking about the crushing, the defeating, the defeating of Satan, the crushing defeat of Satan, the crushing the enemy. You have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, means setting them free from slavery to sin, bondage to sin. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Verse 5. Verse 5, it says, Every warrior's boot, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And he says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this, this is, in a nutshell, a little picture of how the Messiah, the prophecy that he would come, 
to open the way that was closed in Genesis chapter 3:24. This is how it was it was pronounced by Isaiah. So the Messiah would come and open that way that the church may once more access God. And that's why you see the stairs have now been lowered. But blessed people, I want to go stepwise in chronology to be able to bring to you the greater significance and the message the Lord has for the church when he lowers the glorious stairs of your way, the glorious stairs of eternity, to you in the sky above the earth here. We know too well, now I'm reading now from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. Again, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. That we may understand the message transmitted to the church at this hour. And this is what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He says the following. He says, He has made, the Lord, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also eternity in the heart of man. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to end, that is NIV. New American Standard says, He has made everything appropriate in His time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out that work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Yet, so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Amplified says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. He also has planted eternity. He said planted. Here he talks about planting eternity. In NIV says he has set eternity. In the New American Standard, he says he has also set, set eternity. Now, Amplified says planted. Again, Amplified. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has planted eternity in man's heart and mind. And then he expands this by saying, he magnifies this, amplifies this by saying, a divinely implanted sense of purpose walking through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet, so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the very end. So amplified, expands it a bit, and it comes out now. And he says, the Lord has implanted, places an implant. 
in the hearts and minds of men. And he says that implant is continuous at work. It serves a purpose. And walking through ages, and walking through all the generations, and that implant, he says, has one purpose, to ensure that whatsoever the Lord has created in their beauty and splendor and magnificence will never, ever satisfy the heart of man. That's what he's talking about here. King James also talks about this. So, blessed people, this is a very, very powerful message the Lord is transmitting to the church. By lowering the glorious stairs of heaven into the sky and permitting you to take a glance, to take a glimpse, to see with your own mortal naked eyes what eternity looks like. And you can see that it's a well choreographed, it's a well designed move of God. It is set out to be able to achieve a certain awakening within the church to achieve a certain activation in the life of the Christian believer. This is by design. And from the scripture that I have just read here, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 11, you see very clearly, the Lord is saying very, very, without any ambiguity whatsoever, in absolute clarity, that he that is the creator of all men, created all creation and all men. He that designed how he was going to create man, how he was going to create their hearts and souls and mind, that in his design, he did not fall short of placing a specific provision for mankind. Let me say it again. That he, Jehovah, Yahweh, that created all men, when he created man, he deliberately on purpose set out to place an implant according to Amplified. He brought an implant which you and I understand, in other words, a foreign object. He placed a little piece of eternity into each one of you. That's what the Lord is saying here. In other words, he says that in his design and purpose, the way he created man, he created man deliberately that as they live upon this face of the earth, the face of this earth, he would put in their heart and mind a particular piece, a particular reminder, a particular chip, a particular implant, a particular aspect of eternity, and implant it there. And he said, this would perpetually and continually remind mankind that, look, created in all its appropriate beauty and in its time, all the splendor created by the Lord on this earth, on the face of this earth, the tree, 
the green grass, the mountain, the road, the stars, the moon, the sun, whatever it is, including mankind, that he created man by design and he set out to position mankind into a superior place compared to all other creation. That's what he's saying here. Let me say this again. The Lord Yahweh, why has he lowered the glorious stairs of heaven into the sky? And in beginning to explore this very important fundamental question of this generation, this powerful visitation of this lifetime, of your lifetime, of our lifetime, in addressing why, why has he lowered the staircase of heaven into the sky and permitted us to see? In other words, what is the message? What is God saying to this generation? Why has he allowed it? In attempting to address this question, then we've run into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. And I'm saying that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, the Lord is coming out very boldly and openly and saying, no, in the design that I used to create man, in my own design, my divine design, to create mankind, I set out to create him unique from all other creation and to position him at a position, at a place of advantage. And how did he do that? He said, I did that by making sure that in creating man, I would be aware that his heart, Moyowake, his heart would require a specific piece of implant, an implant that would perpetually and continually remind him about eternity. He says, I set in the heart, he set eternity, he set it there. And that also means that the Lord is saying that nobody can ever come and say, for me I'm an atheist. Never. That in his design and creation of man, there was no room for atheism. For just being a free spirit, you don't believe in anything. But that he placed, he took a little piece of eternity and he planted it into the heart and mind of man. And in so doing, according to Amplified, that nothing else under the sun may ever satisfy man except the yearning for eternity, except God himself and his eternity. How powerful, beloved people, that the Lord essentially created man for eternity in heaven. Eternity in heaven is what we're talking about here. And we see very clearly that as he has said, that placed man at an advantaged position 
vis-à-vis -vis all the other creation. Advantage why? Advantage because then you now end up with only the human creation, only man, only mankind, the human being God created. Only they have this perpetual consciousness, perpetual reminder about eternity. Only they have that advantage, that supremacy of knowing that the life on this earth is temporary and beyond here we need to prepare for eternity. And he says, that is the reason for which he lowered the stairs. But does that answer it all? No, absolutely not. Because he's saying, according to Amplified, as we have read, he made everything beautiful in his time. He has also planted, planted eternity in man's heart and mind, a divinely implanted sense of purpose, walking through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Very powerful. He's saying here, blessed people, that in his design of creation, the creation of the church, the creation of man, God Almighty Jehovah Yahweh set out to put this little piece of eternity in the hearts and minds of man. And he knew it too well that the battle is the battle for the heart. The final battle royale is going to be a battle for the heart. And he said in the splendor and magnificence and the awe of his creation, he was aware of the kind of heart he was creating in man. That unless he places there a constant reminder about eternity with God in heaven, they could easily be swayed away by the sloth and the pleasures of this world, and then in the process, fail to prepare for eternity and suffer the consequence of eternal damnation in hell. That is the purpose for which he created man, with that very powerful reminder, a chip, if you so will, that constantly is meant over the ages to remind him that, look, the earth is not your home. This is not your home. And so that also then becomes the answer as to why the Lord has now decided to lower the glorious stairs of eternity after the prophecy of January 15th, the year 2017. And now he lowers the glorious stairs in past fulfillment, March 11, the year 2018. Why? Because he says, I know man. I know how I created him. I put in him a reminder. I put in him something that would facilitate him, the advantage position he bears, facilitates him that whenever he sees eternity, 
he would always be reminded that the earth is not his home and that eternity is what he should have for, and then he would advance and take eternity. Again, regardless of the splendor and the beauty and magnificence of the creation on the earth, he says, man without a priority from his advantage position, meaning reasoning beyond this earth, now choose eternity. That's why he has lowered the glorious hell. That when he shows this generation the glorious tales of eternity, they would all be thrown to the agenda of eternity, to the agenda of preparation, preparing their souls, preparing their hearts, preparing the body, preparing themselves for the glorious eternal kingdom of heaven, for the rapture of the church, for the coming of the Messiah. What a mighty way to prompt the church, to prompt the generation to prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And so this is very powerful that the Lord has chosen to, spoke to, this, to speak to this generation, to speak to them in this form, in vivid form, because the prophecy was so clear that the church, the raptured church, the Holy Spirit, were actually climbing those stairs and ascending into the cloud, into heaven, to go meet God face to face. In other words, you really see that the way, this way is Christ Jesus the Messiah himself. You could as well say that these glorious terms are Christ Jesus the Messiah himself. Because only he opened, he is the way, opened that way. That through him now, this generation, this dying world, may get again once more the opportunity to go meet God face to face and evade eternal torture and judgment in hell. 